Well, now that the left can see that their draconian COVID rules have become political liability, we're allowed to acknowledge actual science. One scientific fact is that eating a healthy diet with fruits and vegetables is essential to supporting your immune system and fighting illness. Field of Greens is packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables loaded with antioxidants. It supports your immune system, heart health, metabolism, blood pressure, and digestion, plus it is pre- and probiotic. And because Field of Greens uses real organic fruits and vegetables, there's no mixing and matching pills. Just put one scoop in a glass of water, stir, and you're done. Here's the best part. It tastes great, and it comes in multiple flavors. So where do you go? You go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash POSO and get 15% off your first order with the promo code POSO. They also just released a health bar version called the Whole in One. That's W-H-O-L-E-N-1. It's great. It's an on-the-go snack. It doesn't have that chalky protein bar taste. And you guys know what that one was like. And all you need to do is tear off the wrapper. No more excuses for not eating healthy. BrickHousePOSO.com. BrickHousePOSO.com. Promo code POSO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories. In a Sunday interview, the Biden administration Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says the U.S. is putting pressure on NATO and Poland to provide Ukraine with fighter jets. All of this as U.S. officials travel to Venezuela, Russia's ally, to discuss exporting oil to the United States. Meanwhile, former President Clinton announces the relaunch of the Clinton Global Initiative, the foundation signaling a potential third presidential run for Hillary Clinton and lots of grifting. The Supreme Court is reinstating the Boston bomber's death sentence and Ukrainian-born actress Mila Kunis and proud husband Ashton Kutcher pledged $3 million to a GoFundMe relief campaign for Ukraine. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. All right, so first up today, we heard that Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is saying that NATO member nations have the green light to go ahead and send fighter jets to Ukraine amidst the country's ongoing invasion of Russia. We are now in day 12 of the Russian invasion into Ukraine, this war of aggression that they have committed. Now, what's interesting is that if you listen to Blinken's comments, he said that NATO has said none of its 30 members are willing to set up a no-fly zone. President Biden has been very clear he has no interest in that or combat troops. But then he says, well, for instance, if the Polish government, a NATO member, wants to send fighter jets, does that get a green light? It does. That's what the host asked him. That's he responded. But understand the implications of this. The minute that he came out and started talking about Poland sending their Soviet-era MiGs into Ukraine to join the fight, what did Russia start doing? Russia immediately started responding by attacking airfields throughout western Ukraine that could be used for basing these aircraft throughout the country, using cruise missiles to attack them, destroy these runways, destroy these airfields, and deny them access for this. Why? Well, if they did that, then the only way that Ukraine would be allowed to use these planes, or able to use these planes, really, would be by using airfields that are either within Poland or within Romania, because you have to look at the range, you have to look at basing, you have to look at gasoline, resupply if you're going to be conducting airstrikes. So you really have to have a base that's within the region in order to use these these aircraft. And of course, you need all the resupply, the support, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if NATO were to allow that to happen, and it came from inside NATO territory within Poland or within Romania, 
would Russia strike those airfields as well? And the answer is yes, 100%. Russia would immediately start striking all of the infrastructure that was being used to supply, to, to run the combat missions, and field these aircraft into the battle space. So what does that mean? That means if Poland or Romania are able to commit these fighters and able to commit these airfields to the fight, then Russia will respond. And if Russia responds on those airfields, then does that trigger what? Article 5. Does that trigger Article 5 of the NATO Convention, which is considered an act of war from Russia to a NATO member that then commits the entire alliance, the entire NATO um, agreeers, all members, to fight for the defense of that country. That's the essential point. That is the backbone, Article 5, of the agreement. And Russia understands this, clearly. But Poland understands this as well. And so the prime minister of Poland, uh, through his official Twitter account, posted that it was fake news that Poland had not agreed to send any jets out and that Poland would not be sending them at all. So there's a huge pressure play being put on right now from the United States and from Western media to see what's happening. Will they go in? Will Poland and essentially Russia be going directly blow for blow with each other? There's even questions, by the way, whether or not Ukraine has the fighters, the capability to actually continue this. Uh, do they have the, you know, do they have pilots? Do they need pilots? What's coming up next? So there's a lot of questions to be asked whether or not this operation takes place. But the essential detail, the essential truth behind it is that it would certainly escalate this war into a situation that could bring NATO very, very close to blows with Russia for the first, the closest it's ever come in NATO history. Even during the Cold War, remember this, even during the Cold War, Russia conducted invasions, the United States conducted military operations as well. If you look at Vietnam, etc., Russia invaded Afghanistan, the Soviet Union at the time. But we understood that these were going to be proxy conflicts. We never came directly to that. And I think that's probably the number one thing that we're seeing out there on the on the battlefield right now in terms of U.S. involvement. Now, how could Russia respond? Keep in mind that they wouldn't need to only have a military response. They could respond with cyber. They could use that to neutralize our naval vessels. Not And they could give a green light for China to neutralize our naval assets in the South China Sea, which would then trigger potentially an invasion of Taiwan. They could even use their cyber assets on U.S. infrastructure, such as the U.S. energy grid. Now, look, I'm here in Washington, D.C. It's been pretty warm this weekend, but that doesn't mean there are other parts of the United States where it's not winter. Imagine the electric grid goes down right now. Is your house ready? Are you prepared to have some uh, heating? Can you go out and cut down a tree, right? Do you have wood? Do you have a stockpile? Understand that these are the types of things you need to start thinking about if the United States goes down this road because Russia, look, they understand. They can't defeat the United States military one-to-one, peer-to-peer. No way. Not going to happen. No, no chance. They're not going toe-to-toe. But that's why they've been investing heavily in cyber offensive cyber warfare capabilities, and the infrastructure attacks for AI. These are the types of things that they are pushing for because they know that is going to severely hamper and so havoc and chaos within the United States homeland while their military operations are focused on what's going on abroad. That's been their doctrine for many years now, going all the way back to 2014. That would certainly be, look, the same deal with, by the way, with banking, the same deal with everything else. So what's currently going on on the ground 
in Ukraine. Situation update over the entire weekend, not much has changed, right? You're still seeing the Ukrainians are dug in. The Ukrainian forces are still there. They are fighting back, but Russian forces continue their advance. They're slow, they've slowed their advance, and you haven't seen major military outbreaks in a few areas. And now there's a few reasons for this. One of the reasons is that people are saying that it may be because uh, the Russian military has bogged down. Other people are saying that it's because the Russian military is working on revivifying their logistics lines, reconstituting them, forming up units, bringing in new troops, fresh troops, by the way, through through rail or through the airfields that they have captured, bringing them in to augment for final pushes on cities like Mariupol, cities like Kiev, of course, where their 40-mile convoy of Russian trucks and armor is outside of as well as constructing these humanitarian corridors. And there's been a lot of reporting on these humanitarian corridors, but there's so much back and forth, it's hard to see what's actually going on. The bottom line, it appears to be that the humanitarian corridors are closed. Now, both sides blame the other for being the reason they're not working. Both sides blame them for being the ones that are not letting the civilians out. But the bottom line is this, the closest thing and the fastest thing that will get this war to an end is an immediate ceasefire agreement. Number one, you get the civilians out. That should be your on the ground highest priority, getting the civilians out, right? For the Ukrainians and for the Russians. By the way, Vladimir Putin doesn't want more of these videos of families and children being killed in the streets. You have to do it for the good of humanity. Get them out. That's number one. Number two, you have to come to a ceasefire agreement or more of these cities are going to be destroyed. You've got military forces. They're fighting inside the cities now, right? Russia is going to target those military forces. So if you put them inside the cities, guess what? That's where they're going to go. We saw this in Syria, right? We saw this in Chechnya. You're going to see it the same way in Ukraine. This is the exact way they've always fought. And they understand this. That is their doctrine. It's been their doctrine. And some of these videos coming out, they're, they're devastating. They're absolutely devastating. This is World War II in color, right? And this is, a ta- this is just a taste. Remember, it's only been 12 days. World War II lasted for years. This is why, just for me personally, and, you know, I think for Human Events Daily, our status has always been anti-war. We do not seek these types of militarism, you always try to find economic, diplomatic, and social answers for things. You don't go down the path of war. And that's why we've been restrained when it comes to American militarism. And we're consistent on this. Now we're also against Russian militarism. But unfortunately, war has broken out here, right? And the goal of everyone should be to stop it. Now, the United States wants to stop this. They could do so very quickly by lowering the price of oil as fast as possible. Not only if you lower the price of oil, does that grind Russia's war machine to a halt? Why? Because it bankrupts them in the long term. So how do you do that? You unleash American energy. You bring American energy online completely. Nuclear, drill, frack, do all of it. Open up the pipelines, Keystone XL, connect us with the Albertans, get that oil shale flowing, the oil sands, get it all flowing out. The more supply right? The more supply that floods the system, the more you drop demand. But unfortunately, what are we now seeing? We're now seeing that the Biden administration is trying to revive the Iran deal. Why are they trying to revive the Iran deal so quickly? Because they want Iran's oil to be the one that makes it to market at any cost. And when I say cost, I don't just mean the financial cost. 
I mean the cost of empowering the mullahs and the IRGC of Iran. They want IRGC, by the way, off the terror restrictions. Maybe you remember IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. That was General Soleimani. That was the, that was the guy that Trump took out with the drone strike during his administration. Iran wants the United States to take them off the terror list. And the United States, under the Biden administration, they might just do it because they are so desperate for getting oil onto the market and certainly into the European market that they're willing to take the sanctions off of Iran to do it and give them whatever they want. And Russia, by the way, knows this as well. So there's going to be a ton of carve outs for Russia in these sanctions along with the Iran deal as well. That's number one. Number two, we're now getting reports that the United States under the Biden administration is sending a delegation down to Venezuela. They are going to go meet with Maduro, who has been obviously one of Vladimir Putin and Russia's tightest and closest allies here in the Western Hemisphere. He uses them to destabilize the Western Hemisphere the same way that the Russians, when it was the Soviet Union, used Cuba to destabilize the Western Hemisphere. Now the U.S. is going down to Venezuela because they want to do another deal with Venezuela. They're going to provide them with sanctions relief. After the last 10 years, now they're going back to Venezuela. And all of this is because they refuse to unlock American energy independence. Now understand, there are people within the Biden administration who are very smart. They understand exactly what's going on. They understand exactly what they're doing. And so... This is clear, all right? This is absolutely clear. They're doing this on purpose. They're weakening your country. They're weakening the U.S. dollar. They want to move away from the U.S. dollar. Everyone can see it happening, by the way. They're deliberately tanking the dollar. They're tanking the petrodollar. They don't want America to be competitive in the energy market. Now, understand why. Understand this is the managed decline This is the Great Reset. This is the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. This is all of it in action. You're not seeing them make any sense because you're not looking at it from their perspective. Remember, the World Economic Forum, BlackRock, and everybody pushing these these ESG, right? Environmental, social, governance, credit scores. Remember the credit scores that we've been talking about for over a year at this point? They punish you for investing in fossil fuels. They punish you for investing in American energy. Understand, this has been the plan from the start. Kill the petrodollar, kill the U.S. dollar, break the U.S. dollar's prominence on the world stage, and then you break the American people. That's what's coming. And I think it's terrible. I'm actually somebody who thinks that the United States, look, we were able to get away with a lot of the stuff, the debt, the spending, the insane books that we have, the balance sheets, because of the primacy of the U.S. dollar. The entire SWIFT system rests on the primacy of the U.S. dollar. You take that away, and this is happening, of course. BRICS is coming online. China's One Belt, One Road. The Belt and Road Initiative is coming online. We're driving the Russians, and now we're talking about the Indians as well, and the Chinese, all of these people onto a separate, parallel, second economy. That's three billion people. India and China are the two biggest countries in the world. Understand the financial and long-term implications of our actions in these days. There are decades when nothing happened and weeks where decades happen. And I'm sorry, but we are in two of those weeks right now.
Across the country, Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. Woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent on countries that actively work against our values. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public Square, the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses that our nation has ever seen. Public Square is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share their values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that will never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. So what do you do? You download the Public Square app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You create your free account and begin to search. You can also list your businesses, by the way, for free so your local community can find you today. So download the app today, Public Square. It's called the Public Square app. You can find it on Apple, Google, Public Square. And of course, the next story that I wanted to get into, the Clinton Global Initiative is relaunching to set the stage for not only for Hillary Clinton 2024, but also so that they can get the grift out. They can get all the grift out for Ukraine just in time for the new Ukrainian uh, relief spending and debt spending, all the stuff that's going to come out. They want to get their piece of the pie. They're getting the band back together for one last grift. And former President Clinton, he's got a whole new letter out calling on the Clinton global community to come together again. We fought against climate change. We fought against climate change. We fought against so much of it. But, well, the existential threat of climate change glows every day. Democracy is under assault around the world. And most glaringly in Ukraine, where Russia has launched an unjustified and unprovoked invasion that's put millions of lives in grave danger. The sum total of displaced people and refugees worldwide is higher than it's ever been. More than one in 95 of all people and refugees worldwide. It's, it's, it's so high. They've been fleeing their homes and it's rising, which is kind of funny when you think about it. Not, not funny for the people. And I want to be very clear about that. We're going to do everything we can. And we've got a segment coming up talking about ways that we can help the Ukrainian refugees in this crisis. Um, but keep in mind that it's because of people like the Clinton family, like the Clinton foundation, their double dealing, their grifting and their destabilization of the world, their use of these crises like Ukraine and like Russia in the nineties as their personal piggy bank, right? We don't even need to talk about Haiti and everything that went on down there. They destabilized the world to enrich themselves. You saw this same, uh, the same scenario play out with the Syria crisis that led to refugees, over a million refugees, being sent to the EU. And now that destabilizes the EU. And these these same NGOs, maybe not the Clinton Foundation directly in this case, but it was also Western NGOs, destabilized the situation, exacerbated the Arab Spring, allowed and pushed for those refugees to go into Europe, all the way to Europe, by the way, not right next door. See, Poland and Ukraine are right next door, so it makes sense. Right, it makes sense for Ukrainian refugees to go to Poland. You're also seeing Ukrainian refugees head into Hungary, head into Slovakia. Some, are, by the way, are also headed to Russia. And we can't discount that. We can't discount the fact that there are also Ukrainian refugees that are heading to Russia. And that should maybe give us pause and ask us some questions about what's really going on in this situation. What are the historical and cultural ties here? All right. And that doesn't, by the way, justify anything that's going on. And I'm sick, by the way, of this narrative out there that says, well, if you uh, are trying to explain these different things about this regime in Ukraine or the regime in Kiev and the regime in, in Moscow, that means you must be on Moscow site. No, it doesn't. Obviously, 
it means that we're understanding what's going on. We're unpacking the media propaganda. We're unpacking the lies that are being pushed on us from the people that are trying to exacerbate the situation into a wider war and people like the Clinton Foundation who are grifting off the suffering and misery of millions of people. That's what we're exposing right now. That doesn't mean we're on one side or the other. That means we're on the side of the truth and we're on the side of the truth getting out. And if there's corruption involved, whether it be from Kiev or Moscow or Hunter Biden, Washington, D.C., we are going to expose all of it. The arms dealers and the oligarchs on both sides of this are the ones exacerbating the situation. And the oligarchs and the arms dealers are the ones getting rich while it's the people in the middle who have to pay the price. So you ask me what side I'm on. I'm on the side of the people. The American people, the Ukrainian people, and the Russian people who don't want this. And you're seeing them be arrested, by the way, being swept up the same way, the same way that Trudeau was going after the people in Ottawa, the crackdowns that we saw in there, the crackdowns in Brussels, the crackdowns in Paris, crackdowns in the UK. So understand, when you lose the moral high ground, as the West has done, then an authoritarian regime can walk in and say, hey, we're just doing the same thing that you do. We didn't even send the mounted troops in the way you did in Ottawa. You think I forgot those pictures? I remember those pictures. All of us remember those pictures. And you were giving a green light by ceding the moral high ground to people like Vladimir Putin and Maduro and Xi Jinping to do the exact same thing and then turn around and say, well, you did it too. So good job. Good job, Western governments. Great job. Congratulations, Clinton Foundation. I hope you make a lot more money. All right, going to the next segment. If you uh, continue to support us, if you want to support our work, if you want to support what we're doing here, you go to MyPillow.com slash POSO. You got a ton of sales on there. Mike Lindell has been out and about this weekend. He gave a huge speech in Arizona. He's fighting hard. That guy is fighting hard and he doesn't sleep. He doesn't take any time off. But when he does get a little sleep, when he does... He does so on a MyPillow, and maybe maybe that's how he has the energy that he has every day. So it's MyPillow.com slash POSO. You get all the deals up there. If you got gifts, if you want to send it to somebody, uh, I know spring's coming up, Easter's coming up. All the specials, you go right there, you get them. So a story that I wanted to touch on because it is something that I've been following for a long time. I know a lot of people have totally moved on from this story, but... Jokar Zarnayev, the Boston Marathon bomber. You remember this guy? This is the guy that Senator Bernie Sanders said should be able to vote while in federal prison. He was given the death penalty for his crimes and for his act of terrorism, by the way, actual Islamic radical terrorism that he committed all the way back in April of 2013. What did Jokar Zarnayev do? Remember, he put down a bag, a backpack with a pressure cooker bomb, an IED inside of it in front of a four-year-old little boy. He blew him up, along with his brother, killed four, injured hundreds of people. The Supreme Court has now just come in and reinstated the death penalty for Jokar Zarnayev. Now, he was the brother that lived. His brother was killed in a shootout with police later. And there's a lot, a lot, that we still don't know about that operation, probably chief of which... And Newsweek has an article about this from years ago, and there's books that have been written about this. The fact of the matter is that the bombs that the Zarnayevs used were fairly advanced, and the Zarnayevs had no indications of any training whatsoever to build bombs that were that advanced. So where did the bombs come from? 
Why did they go back to MIT instead of fleeing the country or at least fleeing the area? Why did they stay in Boston? What was their plan? What were they the only two who were involved in this? And why is the FBI so tight lipped when they talk about it? A lot of threads to pull on this, a lot of threads to pull, but we're not going to get into all of them right now. Maybe sometime when we've got a little bit more time, we'll talk about these issues in depth. But this is a black hole that I guarantee you the FBI does not want to talk about. That being said, six to three, the Supreme Court voted conservative liberal lines. This is according to DailyMail.com. The court said a federal appeals court was wrong to throw out the death sentence for Zernayev. Um Ayanna Presley, by the way, who is a squad member and represents part of Boston, called on President Biden to halt any executions and for fellow Congress members to pass her proposed ban on the death penalty. So Ayanna Presley, a member of this, a member of the squad, has come out to attack the Supreme Court for its decision to reinstate the death penalty. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't really seem that she is she's trying to kind of thread the needle. And you see this a lot from people who are anti-death penalty. And it's a respectable position. I'll give them that, where they say state-sanctioned murder is not justice no matter how heinous the crime. The death penalty is cruel and inhumane punishment that has no place in society. Now, is the death penalty murder? And this is one of the great moral arguments that's out there. Uh, I do not believe the death penalty is murder. Death penalty obviously is a state-sanctioned killing as a punishment for something that someone has done. Uh, there is no evidence that Zarnayev was not the one who put this down. Uh, he clearly he's he's on video doing this. Um, we have all we have tons of evidence that he is the one right who worked with his brother to place these bombs. But what I've also said is that if you follow the evidence very clearly, it's very hard to see that they were the ones who built the bombs. And so there may be some other questions there. But that being said, this was how the jury ruled. This was how. This was the sentence that the judge imposed. This then has now been held up at the highest court of our land. Now, federal executions, by the way, are actually quite rare. They only came back online under Attorney General Barr and President Trump. It is highly unlikely that any execution will take place under President Biden. That's just a fact. But should that situation change? Do not be surprised if you see the headline that says that that death sentence has been carried out. And our final segment today, this is something that I really wanted to pay attention to and get in, get a hold of for everybody because I think it's very important. I think it's something that we need to do when we look at this whole situation in Ukraine, the absolute horror and devastation, and the brutality that's coming out of war, of a real war on the ground is how do we help the people? How do we stand with the people? We don't stand with the oligarchs or the arms dealers in Moscow or Kiev. You know who we stand with? We stand with the people. And I love this. This headline, so foxnews.com has it. Mila Kunis, a proud Ukrainian, and her husband, Ashton Kutcher, are launching a fundraiser to match $3 million in donations. Take a listen. I was born in Chernivtsi, Ukraine in 1983. I came to America in 1991. I have always considered myself an American, a proud American. I love everything that this country has done for myself and my family. But today, I have never been more proud to be a Ukrainian. And I've never been more proud to be married to a Ukrainian. The events that have unfolded in Ukraine are devastating. There is no place in this world for this kind of unjust attack on humanity. So Ashton and I um, have decided to match up to $3 million worth of donations to Airbnb.org and Flexport.org through GoFundMe.org in an effort to raise $30 million. We need your help to support them. Please go to GoFundMe, find our page, donate what you can. 
Now, Mila Kunis, you may not know this, she was actually born in Ukraine, 1983, immigrated to America in 1991. She said, I've always considered myself an American. I love everything, but I am also a Ukrainian. It's true that she is Ukrainian. And we have a lot of Ukrainian immigrants in this country, ton, by the way. And so I think it's fantastic. Now, obviously, look, I wish you hadn't chosen GoFundMe for this, right? It is what it is. But there's a lot of ways that you can help the people who are on the ground right now. So I urge you, go check out what Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher are doing. Uh, Caritas.org is another organization. Caritas Ukraine is right there on the ground. So if you want to give directly to an organization that's already on the ground, another example, Caritas.org. You can go look it up. You can find the information. It's fantastic. And our job now. I've said this at the beginning, I'll say it again. Stop the war as fast as possible. Get the civilians out of the way where there's any fighting. And help the refugees who are the real victims of this. This war was started by the oligarchs and by the arms dealers. And just like any war, it's the people who are caught in the middle. All right, folks, that is all the time we have for today on Human Events Daily. I want to remind you again that today... This is your fastest paced, your highest action-packed analysis that we're able to bring to you. Thank you so much for your support. Remember, our motto, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. And, of course, ask you for your homework. Share this out with one of your normie friends and then leave us your five-star review. But before we go, it's time for today's history break. Today, March 7th, 1876, American inventor Alexander Graham Bell received a patent for his revolutionary new invention, the telephone, and started, well, started all this mess. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.